Dale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here on another fine, fabulous, fantastic Friday morning, friends. You know that uh, phrase, across the fruited plains, that comes from Rush Limbaugh. Again, I, w- I was telling you guys just the other day, I got the radio's greatest of all time book about Rush Limbaugh written by... Uh, his wife, Catherine, and his brother, David, has a lot of excerpts from Rush and all of his, uh, his excellent expositions on the, the position of the true American patriot as, as juxtaposed against the commies who are taking over the world. Those are my words woven in there. But today, Torch Report 234, friends, The Big Lie, part two, continuing on our journey to expose what we are really up against. Friends, there is something there. Yesterday's article noticed uh, noted that the rhetoric surrounding the strange events at the Pelosi house, that a bus-dwelling, hammer-wielding hippie was actually a lone right-wing extremist, that whole narrative seemed to somehow be connected to a scholar named Dr. Richard Forno. The language in multiple articles seemed to reflect Dr. Forno's sentiment as expressed in his article, political violence in America isn't going away anytime soon. So he's saying it's not going to go away anytime soon. I think that they're actually trying to ramp it up. But Dr. Forno, he claims to be an independent, but his writing and his background uh, suggest otherwise. Why did he write that article? Why is this article being used in the circular reference to a DHS bulletin that I still cannot seem to locate? Why, oh why, does the primary source cited for this mysterious bulletin only appear in liberal outlets? And why does this circle keep leading back to Forno? There's something there. I know there is. That that was my initial sense. And of course, upon further exploration, I can tell you now that coincidences abound. For example, Friends, Dr. Forno is a cybersecurity expert who has precisely the skill set necessary to create the fictitious extremist posts attributed to David DePepe. The whole reason that he's a lone right-wing extremist is because he had all these right-wing extremist posts on his personal blogs that he was running from the bus, even though if you were to look into the the behind the scenes, it was impossible for him to have actually created that. Link in yesterday's article, if you hadn't followed up on that, you could. Now, add to that The fact that Forno has been funded by the NSA, the National Security uh, Agency, the Department of Defense, the National Science Foundation, altogether he's received over $10 million in federal grants for everything AI and cybersecurity related. And I mean that – to me, that means we have every reason to follow the money in search of a motive. Richard Forno has every appearance of a deep state operative. His article attempts to pin political violence on right-wing extremists in support of the mainstream narrative ahead of the midterm elections. And, you know, his description of DePepe as a lone right-wing extremist, it's com- not only is it completely incongruent with reality, uh, it exposes his bias and his intent. But here's the thing. You know, Forno chose to step in. He chose to write that article. He chose to use the words lone right wing extremist. Why? You know, is he really so shook up by the Pelosi attack that he felt morally compelled to speak out and opine on the cause of all this right wing violence? Or is he just another state funded operative trying to control the narrative? 
And the narrative does seem to be getting a little out of their control right now, does it not? So I believe uh, this list of publications and presentations I'm getting ready to share with you here, I think it helps to shine light on his underlying motives. So note the emphasis I added here, but I'm going to share this 10 of his publications and pre uh, presentations. He's a prolific writer and presenter. But, but listen here. Number one, America is dropping cyber bombs, but how do they work? That's curious. I don't know. How do they work? What are these cyber bombs? Uh, another article, he says, weaponized information seeks a new target in cyberspace. The target is users' minds. Ah, so these cyber bombs are targeting users' minds. How do they work? Three, the threats remain to U.S. voting systems and voters' perceptions of reality. Aha. So we see just from the titles of his publications that the way it works is by targeting users' minds and and the threat to, you know, to our voting system is ultimately the manipulation of voters' perceptions of reality. How vulnerable to hacking is the U.S. election cyber infrastructure? Well, I would say that if you're targeting voters' perception of reality, I, we are very vulnerable. The fifth article here, ransomware can interfere with elections and fuel disinformation. Hmm. They are using cyber warfare to interfere with elections and fuel disinformation. Sixth article, the dark side of data. When information is weaponized, when information is weaponized and targeting users' minds to manipulate the perception of reality, we are vulnerable to hacking, right? Okay, the seventh article here, cybersecurity information sharing, a new perspective for policymakers. Well, these policymakers, I'm sure, need to uh, get on board with this new perspective that you can use cyber bombs to manipulate people's minds and interfere with the elections. I'm sure they're not uh, overlooking that fact at this point. The eighth article, hacktivism, vigilantism, and collective action in a digital age. What an interesting choice of words. Collective action in a digital age. Vigilantism. So it's like you could use these tools for the good. And, and, and vigilantes, they tend to break the law, but it's for a good cause, right? Uh-huh. Mm. Now, the ninth article I point out here is titled simply, Fourth Generation Warfare. Fourth Generation Warfare is all of these things that we're talking about here. The 10th article, presentation linked uh, here, uh, the title of it is Weaponized Information, Crafting Reality and Targeting the World's Most Exploitable. Crafting Reality and targeting the world's most exploitable zoiks, you know, and on and on and on it goes. Friends, clearly this guy, this Dr. Richard Forno, is an expert on weaponizing information, on crafting reality, on fourth-generation warfare. Those are his words, not mine. You know, he's, he's a government expert. He's giving all this testimony, you know. This is fascinating to me. There's a very interesting overlap between Forno's technical skills, his technical niche, and his political interest on the impact of disinformation and election interference. The threats to our elections, according to Forno, are directly related to voters' perception of reality, which is the exact target of the cyber warfare and the cybersecurity, the, the expertise that he wields. Does this, you know, does all does all this sound familiar to you? You know, I spent Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday sounding the alarm about the use of AI to manipulate public public perception and direct the outcome of elections. So if you've been with me this week, then you know, you know, this is happening right now in real time. And all of this coming to light about this Richard Forno 
this is just, I kind of stumbled on this information. I want to share it with you. Uh, Richard Forno knows how to use targeted misinformation to manipulate the outcome of elections. And he's been informing the government on how to use fourth generation warfare, i.e. AI and algorithmic social interventions. He's been doing this for over a decade. He wrote a propaganda piece that is central in the narrative of political violence that's being pushed right now ahead of the midterms. And I just ask, is this a coincidence? Friends, I think not. You know, is Forno just another concerned citizen or is there something else going on? Hmm, head scratcher, you know. Uh, a couple other of his keynote presentations stood out to me. One was titled Communicating Risk Across Audiences. Communicating Risk Across Audiences. Interesting. Another one was titled uh, Thinking Differently and Beyond. What's beyond thinking differently? Groupthink. Uh, the third one there in the article today, the chaos of context, presentation, perception, and agency. Now, just look at the words in those titles. What is his intent here? What is he conveying with this communication? You know, what is the outcome of communicating risk? It's stoking fear, is it not? You know, notably. That presentation on communicating risk was made in 2019 at an international conference on the design of communication. Ah, uh, international conference on the design of communication. Hmm, you know, and all of this was just prior to the pandemic. Hmm, event 201, pandemic, shandemic. I wonder if he was involved in that in any way. I don't know, you know. As a side note, though, friends, uh, this communicating risk presentation, it reminds me of the Great Barrington Declaration and the scientific assertion that COVID-19 was not a public health crisis, that it was in fact a public health messaging crisis. Scientists in the early stages of the, of the pandemic were sounding the alarm that governments everywhere were, quote, willfully distorting the public health message for political purposes, end quote. That sounds like communicating risk across audiences, does it not? You know, from the Great Barrington uh, website, they have the little subsection there. Why are so many people afraid of COVID-19? And they say, unfortunately, the public health messaging about COVID-19 around the world has created many misperceptions that have spread fear. Better public health messaging that does not spread unfounded fears based on anecdotes would help us correct the situation, end quote. So that, you know, that's just, it. it's there, you know, and for the record, that assessment of the public messaging problem comes from leading epidemiologists, Dr. Jay Bacharya, Dr. Sunetra Gupta, and Dr. Martin Kuldorf, uh, who hold degrees from Stanford, Oxford, and Hartford, Harvard University, respectively. In other words, guys, these are these are not fringe quacks. These are highly esteemed scientists who realize that the communication of risk, they realize the communication of risk was being weaponized by our very own government. So let that sink in a little bit and let's get back to Forno because when we consider Forno's curious words, thinking differently and beyond, what does that mean? You know, what does that imply? In my mind, those words imply conformity. It translates to building consensus, which as we've discussed in a long way back, we were discussing building consensus as a tool of psychological warfare. But this is building consensus with a cyber twist. It means that even though everyone is prone to developing their own opinions, i.e. thinking differently, when the government 
colludes with big tech to target the world's most exploitable in order to manipulate voters' perception of reality. Again, these are their words, friends. Now, with that in place, now corrupt politicians can leverage this, quote, new perspective for policymakers to condition the masses to feel the same way about hot-button issues. Right? So they can divide and they get people all fired up about these emotionally charged issues, and that allows them to manipulate public perception and voter turnout, the outcome of elections, etc. Remember how we learned about algorithmic social interventions that are optimally targeting behavioral interventions to achieve specific policy goals. Remember that? Remember how government agencies are using artificial intelligence to censor the information available to voters ahead of the elections? Remember that. This is all fact. It's all out there, right out there. You know, you can look at it and see. Do you remember how the global cabal is using AI to immunize humanity against misinformation by generating narratives that adapt to changing sentiment? It just, it just, you know, this is what we've been digging into all week. And again, it's all coming to bear on this current uh, election that we're, we're faced with. We're just days away now. What's going to happen? We don't know. Is it going to be violent? I don't know. Are the, are the lone uh, right-wing extremists going to try to overthrow the government? I don't know, you know. And I, you know, so all, all week, as we've been digging into that, I've been intentionally ignoring the David De Pepe drama in order to focus on this greater threat, the threat of weaponized AI. and. When I did look into the narrative surrounding the the, uh, the Pepe drama, it, it led me to Richard Forno. And it turns out that Richard Forno has been central in the government's development and application of these advanced technologies that are capable of controlling the narrative and the outcome of elections. And he's been doing this for decades. Is that just a coincidence? I think not. There's something there. Uh, the connections seem too strange and too numerous to be coincidental. So let's connect the dots a little bit. Here, you know, legacy media lapdogs have been sowing the seeds of political violence for months, right? They've been talking about it. They've been ginning up images of civil war, and they've been pegging the cause of all this on the MAGA extremists who refuse to accept the outcome of the most secure, safe, and fair elections we've ever had. You know, the the mainstream media they breathlessly have been shrieking about the J six insurrection and pointing to the show trials as proof that all of these you know Christian insurrectionists and these violent MAGA sorts, these domestic terrorists, they're 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 the greatest threat to democracy. And now these same media lapdogs are out feigning this concern that perceptions over election fraud are likely to cause even more violence leading up to and shortly after this midterm election. These perceptions over election fraud, that's what that's what Forno is talking about. That's the messaging that's coming from Forno, from CNN, from ABC, from NPR, and the rest of their ilk. Of course, friends, we know this is all according to joint intelligence, so it's got to be coming from a solid source, right? That joint intelligence bulletin that I still cannot find anywhere. If you can find that, please share it, by the way. And, uh, you know, for all of my fellow MAGA types, you know, any perception of election fraud, if you think, if you perceive at all, there might be even a smidgen of election fraud, you must understand this perception of election fraud is solely based on Russian, Iranian, or Chinese attempts to interfere with our elections. It's misinformation. That's the story, you know, but where does this story come from about this Russian, Iranian, and Chinese, you know, interference? Well, it comes from Google, who just so happens to be under investigation for interfering with U.S. elections. What a coincidence. You know? What do you mean Google's, uh, Google's putting out this story and investing? What, do you mean, what are we talking about, Luke? You know? Well, 
I've discovered <laughs> when all of these outlets started running these stories on how China, Iran, uh, Russia, and Iran are sowing dissent ahead in the midterms, I was like, what is this? It sounds the same. You know, all the stories about violence and, and the perception of election fraud, it's all saying, saying the same thing. You know, how do all these journalists know this is happening? I want to look at the bulletin. Well, I can't find it. Well, how do they know that there's all this, uh, this interference? What's going on? Well, it turns out the reason all of the media outlets know about you know all this foreign interference is because there it has been expert threat assessment that's been provided by an intelligence organization called Mandiant, and and drumroll, you know, Google completed the acquisition of Mandiant in September on September twelfth, uh, twenty twenty two. So just you know a couple months ago. Right. And again, you know, is that coincidence? Is that not coincidence, friends? I get, it's just it's so stinking obvious, except for that it's not obvious. You have to dig in just a little bit deeper than the surface to see what's really going on here, which, of course, is the mission of my heart to make this information available and understandable uh, to provide you with the links to the primary sources so that you can form your own informed decision about what's going on. Develop your own conclusions, friends. I tell you the torch report is a truth you can trust, not because I expect you to take my word for anything, but because I provide the sources for you to make your own decisions. That's it, you know. Friends, the big lie, according to liberals, the big lie is that the 2020 election was stolen. That's a lie, you know, and that the government is colluding with big tech to fleece the American public. That's a lie, say the liberals. On the other side, according to conservatives, the big lie is that the 2020 election was legitimate. That's a lie. Joe Biden's the most popular president ever elected. That's a lie. You know, and conservatives uh, believe, you know, that the greatest threat to democracy are, are that the when the media tells us that the greatest threat to democracy are Christians and violent right wing extremists. That's a lie. You know, that's that's the big lie, according to conservatives. But I got to tell you, according to yours truly, your own friendly, you know, ignorant peasant here, friends, the big lie in my mind, is that Americans are facing a choice between Democrats and Republicans this midterm election. That is a terrible deception. Don't get me wrong. Okay, I, I take heart knowing there are some 300 conservative candidates who are openly challenging the established narrative, challenging the outcome of the 2020 elections. I take heart in that. I'm eager to vote for freedom-loving constitutional candidates on the Republican ticket. This is a battle between the left and the right for the heart and soul of our nation, and I do believe a red wave is coming. But, 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 but friends, you know, there's a bigger issue here. You know, I believe that the majority of Americans still value life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I do believe that more and more people are waking up and making a stand. I do believe there is hope for the future and that this election may prove to be one of the most pivotal in American history. So yes, get out and vote and let's make it happen. But let's not lose sight of what we're up against, friends. This is just one battle in a much bigger war. It's a war between us against the machines and the commie bastards behind the scenes who are currently pushing the buttons. <laughs> oh, friends, that is the message of my heart for today. If you're enjoying this podcast, please do me the great honor of clicking that little heart and giving me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And above all else, don't forget to share this podcast with everyone you know. Friends, get out there and embrace this fabulous Friday. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. <laughs>